Welcome back to AP Lit Alert. I'm Avneet. I'm Erica. And I'm Savia. Today's episode marks the beginning of season four, where we're going to be analyzing the iconic novel, The Great Gatsby. Fitzgerald wrote this novel in 1924 during the midst of the Roaring Twenties, which was influential when considering how the characters interact with each other. In today's episode, we'll be analyzing Gatsby and his mysterious background, how this shapes his relationships with the other characters in the novel, and how that ultimately contributes to his downfall. Avneet will be walking us through Gatsby's journeys in chapters one through four. Um, I'll be taking over with chapters five through seven, and Erica will wrap up our analysis in chapters eight and nine. The Great Gatsby also inspired two well-known film adaptations from 1974 and 2013, which we will also be discussing. Ladies, are we ready to kick off the season? Yeah! Ooh, yeah, let's go! <laughs> All right, let's get into it then. Okay, so I'm going to start us off by talking about chapters one through four. Although Gatsby is mentioned in chapter one, uh, the readers and movie watchers don't see Gatsby until chapter three. In chapters two and three, before the characters in the novel even meet Gatsby, they have a lot to say about him. In chapter three specifically, during Gatsby's party, the first one that we actually get a glimpse of, um, it was amusing to see and to read the different assumptions that different characters made about him. Um, Not only does it depict the mysterious nature of his persona, but it also tells us a lot about society itself. No one knows him and everyone makes the worst assumptions about him but they all take advantage of him and his wealth and attend his parties every weekend. And I think this was a point that Fitzgerald was trying to highlight, um, specifically like the, the hypocrisy of social climbing or the hypocrisy of society at the time um, in general. Almost every person that Nick and Jordan ran into at the party had something to say about Gatsby, even though they didn't know him personally. Um, specifically, Owl Eyes was important to mention because um, in the 2013 movie, he was like rummaging through um, Gatsby's library to check to see if the books that Gatsby had were real, um, which is like his way of checking like if Gatsby was a phony or not. Um, looking back at it, that probably foreshadowed the idea that, you know, Gatsby was like was a phony, that he was a, he was rich because of like um, mobster ties and like he had like illegal money and stuff. Um, but the point of that was like, the books were real, but like none of them had been open. So that kind of just proved that like, yes, he had the wealth, but like it was all just for show. And then so when we finally get to Gatsby's big reveal, um, Nick was like going along with the people around him. He was like in the party um, mood, I guess. So he was making all these assumptions about Gatsby. But what he didn't realize was that he was making these bold claims to Gatsby himself. And so um, in the 2013 movie specifically, I thought that the buildup of Gatsby's reveal was kind of majestic, um, especially with the music in the background and the fireworks behind him. And then there was that iconic line in the book um, when Nick said like his smile was one of those rare smiles. And I think it was in the movie as well. Um, And that kind of turned Gatsby into a less intimidating idea or character because we finally saw him and then like he smiled and it was like like big and grand especially with the fireworks behind him and so afterwards like Nick like even told Jordan he was like oh I expected him to be old and fat and that 
added like a comedic element to the scene as well because it like makes sense. So like, what do you guys think? Do you guys think it was better in the 2013 movie or the older one? Um, I think it was better in the 2013 version. And I like what you said about um, the quote about his smile and how you said it turned him into less of an intimidating idea and character. And I think that really goes along with um, the mystery and the idea behind the prompt and how he Gatsby's uh, mysterious past like shapes Nick's idea of him because he's still a mysterious person but the moment that um, Gatsby seems sort of real Nick begins to trust him more which just feeds into like the lies and the destruction that Gatsby caused so that's like Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting that that's like the first instance of this yeah I think just like in general I just like the 2013 movie like slightly better just because of like like I know it's supposed to be dramatic because it was like you know it's a newer movie and they wanted it to like like do well with the general population but like I just really like like especially like with the party scene and this has less to do with like Gatsby but like just in general like the party scene like the music that they played I thought it was really interesting that they included like hip-hop and like R&B music because like that's just like really juxtaposes like the kind of like the not the rebellious attitude but like the like not like the atypical 1920s like music the traditional just like aspect the, yeah right like the mm-hmm. right the political aspect so I just thought that was really really interesting that they added that and um I thought that was really cool but yeah yeah um to kind of add on to what you were talking about Erica so like um after the scene obviously like Gatsby develops a friendship with Nick um and Nick is still, like, kind of uneasy and unsure about him. And um, I think this is, like, further de- developed when Gatsby brings Nick into the, um, like, the speakeasy. And so um, I definitely think that this is also foreshadowing Gatsby's mobster ties. Because it was just, like, this huge display of, like, wealth and power. Again, I'm thinking of the 2013 movie because it did such a such a like a lavish job at like showing yeah. like the big party scene mm-hmm. and so like yes like Nick and Gatsby were like starting to um spend more time with each other and you know they were like friends and stuff but it wasn't really a personal look into Gatsby's life at all until like um they ran into Tom at the um party and then Gatsby's like whole like demeanor just like shifted when he met Tom like for the first time and that, um, I think that kind of hinted at Gatsby and Daisy's relationship, which obviously is going to be talked about a little later. And I think it was initially mentioned in chapter four. So Gatsby told Jordan about um, his past relationship with Daisy and like basically that um, he threw those lavish parties for her to try to get her attention. And I think there's a quote on page 74 um, that referred to um, the night at the dinner Tom and Daisy's earlier on in the book um Nick kind of realized that Gatsby hadn't been reaching out to the stars that night but he was reaching out to Daisy um and then this is another iconic line like that he came alive to me part um that kind of just like showed us that Nick finally understood Gatsby and his uh, intentions and this is like a shift from how he was uneasy about him at first um, and then that kind of made him more agreeable to the idea of arranging a meeting between 
Gatsby and Daisy in chapter five. Yeah, yeah it definitely think... like humanized him a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting how um, so early on um, Nick begins to trust Gatsby and to humanize him, even when he doesn't really like know anything about him and he should be more apprehensive about him, but he just isn't. So I, I think, think that's like really interesting. Yeah, the movie does a really good idea at like romanticizing Gatsby. Like he obviously, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio is not an ugly person to look at. Like <laughs> oh, by no means. No, but he's like so he's not. so charming and like you never like you wouldn't like suspect that there's anything like wrong with him if you're like if you're Nick and you're like developing a friendship with him, but like as a reader or as like a movie watcher, you're like thinking about it. And it's like, you're just making friends with a random person that you don't really know. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, like, and, kind of suspicious. And um, Nick's, like, view on Gatsby definitely helps with that because he just, like, sees Gatsby um, in a romantic way, kind of. Um, so it just, like, it projects how everybody else feels about Are him. Are you talking about your uh, conspiracy theory, Erica? Yes. Go on, Erica. Tell, yes, tell us about your conspiracy theory. <laughs> well, it's not just my conspiracy theory. It's a pretty well-known, like, idea and theory that Nick was basically in love with Gatsby. And it makes a lot of sense because he just... I think it the, He just immediately trusts Gatsby and yeah. sees something mm-hmm. in him that that other people see but don't necessarily, like attach themselves to I mean he's kind of just obsessed with Gatsby I mean it's called the great Gatsby and everybody else is like oh my god Gatsby is big house is big party and then Nick wants to like know him and Nick wants to see him as a real person when nobody else sees him besides anything he, everybody else just sees him as his money but Nick wants to see him as a real person and wants to be with him that's a really um, interesting yeah. point to bring up because so, I feel like even yeah. like Daisy like only like, sees like money when she sees him Mm-hmm. especially yeah, like yeah considering that like nick is so he's not like judgmental but like he is like judgmental in a, in a sense where he like holds everybody to a higher moral standard and i feel like gatsby is just like exempt from all of that yeah. like yeah even later on in the book too when we find out that he is a criminal like he um nick just like ignores or like forgives a lot of his flaws so i feel yeah. like erica you're like you're on to something here with you're, you're not there. totally <laughs> off with that theory yeah. <laughs> um so avneet mentioned um daisy and gatsby's first meeting and that leads us into chapters five through seven, where I want to discuss about how Gatsby is much more humanized now through this, these three next three chapters. Um, it's shown through the first interaction we see with Daisy because he's still mysterious, but a little of his like fake persona is being chipped away when he's with Daisy. You know, he's like super nervous and he's super clumsy and he like he knocks over the clock and he panics and disappears in the beginning. And so that charming disposition that he normally presents to others falls away. And here with Daisy, he's like his purest and his most vulnerable. Um, I also wanted to mention that like knocking over the clock could be symbolic because it could show that like Gatsby's turning back the time to be with Daisy or he's trying to like replace the time with Daisy. So that's like, that could be foreshadowing. Yeah, definitely. Um, mm-hmm. 
And then I wanted to talk about the quote where on page 93, where he says, Daisy put her arm through his abruptly, but he seemed absorbed in what he had just said. Possibly it occurred to him that the colossal significance of that light has now vanished forever. Compared to the great distance that had separated him from Daisy, it had seemed very near to her, almost touching her. It had seemed as close as a star to the moon. Now it was a green light on a dock. His count of enchanted objects had, had diminished by one. And that quote just shows that now that Gatsby has Daisy, the light has no meaning to him. And the symbolism of it, which, you know, it represented his hopes and his dreams of the perfect life with Daisy, has vanished as he's gotten closer to his goal. Um, so that's, that's again, a, like another way of like, oh, we see like what he really wants. Like his origins are, are revealed to us as we see that like this, everything that he's done up until this point has been for Daisy. Um, and going off, going along with that, uh, Gatsby's conversation with Nick is significant um, as it reveals how much of Gatsby's identity and sense of self is built on his wealth and status. He will not leave all that he's built and will instead fight to maintain his way of life with the addition of Daisy. So he wants it all. The description of Gatsby's past and how he worked his way from like a lower class shows the importance of wealth and status to Gatsby. He's carefully crafted his appearance to be a wealthy man, and he's built everything around him to look a certain way. Additionally, Gatsby's cultivated this like perfect image of Daisy in his mind, and he wishes to recreate the past. And he's unable to understand that like Daisy has changed, and now there's a lot more obstacles present. And I feel like that's, again, another element of foreshadowing as his obsession with trying to fix everything just the way it was before may ultimately lead to his demise in the last chapter. The confrontation between Tom and Gatsby is a, is a metaphor for the fight between old money and new money. Throughout the whole scene with like the switching of the cars as a power play and Myrtle potentially moving away, uh, Tom's control is slipping, is slipping away. However, he finally gains the upper hand when he provokes Gatsby by tapping into his insecurity about being an outsider. And that's enough to break that illusion of him being a respectable, wealthy man. I personally really like the way the 2013 film portrayed this scene. And like, I know this podcast is starting to sound like a 2013 film, like fan club, but like I, <laughs> a like, Leo fan I genuinely, a Leo fan club. Exactly. <laughs> I just really liked like the level of intensity that that film added that like, I feel like it's not even apparent in the book, how, um, how like angry Gatsby was. And I feel like that's ultimately a testament to how insecure Gatsby is about being an outsider which like might not translate the same way if you read it. Like he may show himself as like polished and respectable, but deep down he's like a gang gangster. And the way Gatsby loses his temper on Tom is just like not out of character for him. It's like part of his personality, but he doesn't show it because of the way he puts on this fake disposition. And so like that just kind of reveals a lot about his character to the readers and the viewers. I don't know if you guys agree, but. No, I definitely yeah. agree because like, I don't know, I, at first, it seemed pretty dramatic, but I think, like, reading the book and then watching the movie kind of, like, kind of, like, ties it all up because, like, I don't know, I I usually like reading a book more than I like watching the movie because of, like, like the detail and stuff, but the book is mm -hmm. told through, like, Nick's point of view, so, like... Mm -hmm. It's it's different when you see it when you're when you're reading it from someone's point of view versus when you're watching it and then you can like interpret it on your own. Yeah, there's so, like, def oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, I was oh, just no, gonna I, I was just gonna say that like <laughs> I liked how they did it. <laughs> oh. 
Sorry, I was gonna say that um, there's definitely a lot less feelings in the book since Nick is kind of like detached from everything. Like he doesn't have as many feelings. He's bland. He's so bland. Yeah, he is. And then the movie, because they obviously weren't gonna just make a boring movie, which was what the 1974 version was, yeah. uh, kind of in my opinion. Um, so they just they added like more feeling to it and how it actually probably played out. Um, and less than how, like, objective Nick was. I don't know. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. And um, back to the uh, the clock thing that Savia brought up. Um, I think Gatsby's, like, attachment to the past is so, like, weird and interesting. Mm-hmm. And you could yeah. probably talk about it forever because it just goes to show that he... Especially because he hid his past and created the whole um, Gatsby persona um, and just uh, forgot about his his real last name, like where he comes from in Minnesota and all that. So he his obsession with the past and going back with Daisy um, is him just trying to cover it up and create his own version of the past that he wished could have happened and kind of like live vicariously through the new person that he created. It is, like, sad if you think about it because, like, he was just not at a point when he first met Daisy to, like, be in a relationship with her because of, like, the war and stuff. But then, like, he, like, took that, like, to heart, like, so much that he just, like, changed himself so that she would yeah. like him. But then it, at the end, like, she never, she didn't even choose him in the end. So, like, it's just really sad. Yeah, never change yourself for somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get that tattooed. Never change yourself for anyone else. Don't be, don't be Gatsby. Don't be Gatsby. It's like basically it. the lesson of this book. I think like Gatsby's like super interesting because he has like he has a bit of a god complex, but he's also like super yeah. insecure. Like he wants to like yeah. again like yes. going back with like the the past like wanting to change the past like he wants everybody to like fit in their roles and do what he wants <laughs> them to do. This is a misogyny <laughs> jumping out, yes. But then at the yes. same time he's like super like he's got like a fragile like ego and he's like super insecure. So it's just like both sides. There's both sides to him. But at the same time he's like the biggest simp for Daisy. Yes, exactly. So he's like this like mobster like criminal dude, but like he's just he's like in a, love like with a, someone. He's a really bad version of a himbo. Yeah, <laughs> like like a really like yeah. <laughs> I can, I don't want to swear, but um, a really douchebag version of a himbo. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's the only way you can describe him. Like realistically, obviously, he's so romanticized through like Nick's like lens. Like the way that we like read about him, that's yeah. I think that's why I enjoyed the movie more because like you got to make your own interpretations about the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get to form your own opinion. Actually, when... you we really don't know. You know how like people say that like like your perspective, everyone's like skews like perspective, like what they see into like their own perspective. It's yeah. Like what if like uh, some of this is like dramatized. You know, the film or the book? The film and the I mean, the whole film is dramatized for sure. Like, well, because like if the book is like altered to fit Nick's lens, then who's to say that the movie isn't either? Well, that's why that's why each film has like you know the director's choices of like how they want to portray it. So like, 
a lot of it is up to our interpretation, but there's also like so there's only so much we can interpret because they give us like the scope of stuff that we have to like yeah. interpret, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in the book, um, because it's from Nick, Nick, well, Nick's definitely trying to convince the reader and whoever he meant to like talk to that Gatsby was like an innocent person. Mm-hmm. He had justification for everything he did, but the movie, um, I think the movie doesn't try to convince anybody of anything. It's just like telling the story more. If that makes yeah. sense. His admiration is a lot less like it's a lot less apparent in the movie for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like Toby Maguire is just such a good actor too. Yeah. yeah. And Leo. Yeah. Back to Leo. <laughs> Can't forget about Leo. <laughs> Le- Leo fan club. <laughs> Okay, so in chapters 8 and 9, um, these really show how much Gatsby's fake persona had Nick convinced of his character and how it basically had Nick convinced that Gatsby was a good person and that everything he did was justified through like his love for Daisy. Um, and there's some quotes that show this. Uh, Nick said, but all this part of it seemed remote and unessential. I found myself on Gatsby's side and alone. Um, another quote where he said, a scornful solidarity between Gatsby and me against them all. And then towards the end, I think this was in chapter nine, he said, after that, I felt a certain shame for Gatsby. One gentleman to whom I telephoned implied that he had got what he deserved. However, that was my fault, for he was one of those who used to sneer most bitterly at Gatsby on the courage of Gatsby's liquor, and I should have known better than, than to call him. So um, Nick just is completely basically enamored with Gatsby's mysteries and Gatsby's lies that he can't really see past it and I think that Nick acknowledges um Gatsby's evils and destructions but he can't accept it like that's all that Nick does is he can't see through it really he sees it but can't get past the surface level and then um when he goes to Gatsby's house for the last time, it just stands as the reminder of his carelessness and the, um, what's the word? The frivolous, um, part of Gatsby's wealth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I kind of, I hope that made sense. No, that makes sense. I kind of like resonate with Nick just a little bit, just because like when I like finished the book and like I finished like the movies and stuff, I was like, okay, I know that like Gatsby was technically like not a good person, I guess, because he, he was a criminal and he like obtained his money in a wrong way. But like the whole time I just felt bad for him. Like I was just like, poor Gatsby. Like, yeah, because he had like, he had good intentions, you know? It's not like he was like, he wanted like, I don't know. I don't know if this is like cheesy to say, but like he wanted to like fulfill his dreams, you know, he wanted like the dream girl the dream house, the dream job, the dream life, you know, and that, I feel like that speaks for everyone during this time period, like, people, like, just came out of this huge, like, um, pandemic, I don't know, if that's, like, a trigger word now, pandemic, <laughs> and, like, the Great Depression, and, you know, they wanted a better life than the last couple of years that they, and the war, too, suffered through, yeah. Yeah, I think um, Nick's inability to see through Gatsby completely um, is due to, like, his admiration he has because of Gatsby's dreams. And even though um, 
Gatsby never really fulfilled his dreams and he kind of destroyed himself. Um, Nick sees it as inspiration and he thinks that um, everything he did was okay because he was in pursuit of his own dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, like especially like the last scene where he's sitting and he's watching the watching the he's comparing it to like the original settlers and stuff I feel like that's again he's like comparing it to like the American dream like saying like oh like the end justifies the means like the same way that like those original settlers came here like yeah they like they obviously did a lot of bad things oh they pushed out like a bunch of Native Americans but like kind of like I'm not saying this is like the right justification but like saying compare using that same comparison saying that like oh they did it all for this new country and the same way like Gatsby did all this for his love and for his dreams see I kind of thought that the end like that part kind of meant that like because he was comparing the American dream or like the idea of the American dream to um like Gatsby's dream I thought that he was implying that the American dream is like unattainable yeah that's what I thought too because like like, Gatsby had this dream, and he was, like, he was so close to achieving it, and then he, you know, died. So, yeah, like, he failed. it was, like, it was unattainable for him. Even, I feel like, yeah. even if he had been alive, I feel like Daisy still would have chosen Tom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like Nick might even see Gatsby as brave or whatever for trying to pursue his dream and still failing. Yeah, see him as, like, a martyr type of thing. yeah. Possibly. I think it just totally it totally highlights your your point, Erica, that Nick is like completely in love with Gatsby. <laughs> yeah, like, sorry to bring that up again. I think it just like it um explains uh Nick's feelings and how Nick uh um is convinced by Gatsby's yeah. persona yeah. and mm-hmm. his mystery. I was like, so disappointed by like like Daisy too, like she's yeah. like this like badass character, at, like at the beginning I feel like, and then like she just like just kind of like she weak. did like the typical thing you know yeah she did like she like kind of she was I guess a representation of um, societal norms. She just went like she she doesn't like doing the easy husband. thing. Yeah, yeah. That was so, like, also, telling like, of, like, how Fitzgerald saw society. Yeah. Um, kind of, yeah, I guess he kind of saw it as weak and wanted the characters to represent, to, to represent how mm-hmm. weak and, like, wealth, um, just because you're wealthy doesn't mean that, like, you're actually strong or powerful. And that's the role that Gatsby tried to play is, like, this strong and powerful and influential rich man, even though he really wasn't. Yeah. I also think it's, like, interesting that, like, the book obviously shows, like, Gatsby as building up Daisy into this perfect, like, perfect, like, person in his head. And, like, the same thing, like, that's the same thing that Nick is doing with Gatsby, basically. Like, building him up into this perfect person and giving him an excuse for everything. Like, even, like, um, when Daisy hit that, hit Myrtle and, like, killed her, like, Gatsby like came up with an excuse or he came up with like you know he like justified everything in his head yeah. about her and like that's we're seeing that same behavior with Nick and Gatsby so I just think it's those parallels are really interesting yeah, yeah and I think that Nick um 
because he saw Gatsby try to like justify things that he did that um Nick took that and like kind of ran with it and just mm-hmm. um tried to convince himself of things and convince that convince himself that um Gatsby was innocent and Nick probably like carried that into the rest of his life where he just tried to see justification through everything even though it wasn't right nick only knew gatsby for what like three months or something i kind of lost track of time but he didn't it's even a very know short gatsby amount of time. that well and then he like it just sent him in a spiral <laughs> for all of five chapters yeah <laughs> so fascinating i feel like nick like represents like like common people and then like gatsby represents like the unattainable and so, like, when yeah, they, definitely. You know, people see shiny things; they want them, you know. I mean, that says a lot about like the time period in general. Like, the twenties was all about like empty pleasure and like just like trying to get like you're like I'm trying to like I'm making like a drug metaphor, but like yeah, like trying to get like your next fix. So, like, yeah. I feel like that's mm-hmm. exactly what like what they were trying to show in the book that like oh, like, all, he was just trying to get all this, like, you know, all this, like, parties and all this stuff. He was just trying to get that, like, sing- like just, just to get that, like, single ounce of happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if it was fake happiness. Or right. it was exactly. all an act. I mean, that says a lot about, like, humans in general. Gatsby's just, I think that's why people, like, resonate with him so much, because he's just he's ultimately so human. Just, he's so human, exactly. He's just trying to be happy. He's just trying to get his dreams. Yeah. Even if he is malicious through it. Right. A lot of people um, use bad ways to get the things that they want. I believe that brings us to the conclusion of this episode. We covered the differences between how Gatsby was revealed in the different movies and how he was interpreted before his grand reveal. We also talked about how Gatsby was humanized through his interactions with Daisy and Tom as we saw his carefully crafted disposition get chipped away. Finally, we cover Nick's justification of Gatsby's malicious actions and past. This was Erica of Meat and Savia. Thank you for joining us. Tune in to the next episode where we'll drool over Leo some more and break down exclusive Gatsby conspiracy theories. Bye! Bye! <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.